Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Happy Tuesday as we are into day five <laughs> of Jack Mitchell Vacation Expedition. I'm Caleb Henry. Doug Fitzgerald in studio with me as well. Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom. Chris Lofgren will be in a little bit later with Time Saver Traffic. But we have got a busy full Tuesday show coming up for you. Obviously, we'll get to sound off a little bit later this hour. Joe Jordan, morning drive in the 7 o'clock hour. 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have... Congressman Don Bacon in to share his experience, uh, his his military background, as well as what he does in Washington right now, and kind of that viewpoint on what happened in Russia over the weekend, as well as potentially a lot of money coming to mm-hmm. Nebraska. Uh, Mark, you, you gave yeah. me a, a story on that. It's so not I'll, potential money. It's, it's money. Yeah, it's <laughs> money, money, money. Um, so we'll we'll hear a little bit more about that as well. And then obviously John Baylor to close out the show. But it feels pretty decent outside. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Yep. Awesome. I saw Jack posting some pics finally on social media. Yeah. There's looks- going to be some good stories when he comes back. I have... I have a story about him and sound off. All right. Jack might be getting into some trouble. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you'll hear that one. Before about. before or after he gets back? Oh, yes. I saw this. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. I've been there. <laughs> yep. So uh, so we're he might be getting into some trouble. He might not be coming back. It's a blurry picture. <laughs> but there is a, some, you know, you, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that he, And from the story, by the way, not only will he be in trouble with authorities, he'll be in trouble with his wife. Hmm. Just putting that out there. We'll hear oh. that. We'll hear that in sound off. Uh, but Mark, it's. it's no kidding. <laughs> yeah. I love that you saw that story, Mark. So that adds a little bit more background on that. Um, Mark, it, it sounds like we had a, another evening with a, a rollover accident. Actually, not evening. It was four uh, eleven this morning. This morning, right yeah. overnight. Yeah, twenty yeah. seventh uh, and Cornusker. I believe it's uh, the northeast uh, corner there. There's kind of a little field. It might be the southeast. The scanner traffic was a little iffy. Uh, Channel 8 uh, did have a reporter out there pick up on its uh, top, but in, in a grassy area. Two people in uh, in the truck. One woman, I guess, was taken to the hospital, according to Channel 8. Uh, no extent of injuries. It did not sound like they were life-threatening. Uh, but, yeah, rollover right there, 27th and Cornhusker. Uh, Boy, you had a lot of those rollovers lately. Mm-hmm. And then, a lot. then that uh, small SUV into an apartment building yesterday morning. I mean, goodness, folks, slow that, down. That yeah. one yesterday morning left quite a hole, too, yeah, in the that, apartment. Right. <laughs> that first floor. And and when when was it? Was it last week that you had the real close call, Doug? Yeah. Well, no. Was, yeah. Well, yeah, Friday. I'm pulling out of the station here at the parking lot and on O Street. We had the green light, and there's a poor gal coming towards me, and uh off to from the what from the west to the east this car just went flying through the red light about 50 miles an hour and i felt sorry for the for the young woman because she had a baby in a car seat in the back seat and she was just froze in the middle of the intersection for a second mm-hmm. anyway luckily we all saw it and i am i am and, head on a swivel at all time even if i have a green, it's so hard to come out even I, if i have a green light here at 44th yeah, and no i head look, on a swivel it's <laughs> not, lately i look both ways at a roundabout <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true i mean it's just that crazy <laughs> and after being in uh in the virgin islands this spring 
they drive on the left side, even though it's U.S. territory. Oh, and okay. so the first time we went to a roundabout there and we went the, the other way, I'm going like, uh, mm, You okay. probably pulled up to that roundabout and went, wow, it feels like Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> so someone's definitely going the wrong way. <laughs> Uh, and anything else happen, uh, happen overnight, Mark? No, that's, uh, that's about all that, uh, is showing up on the blotter so far this morning, uh, in the city. Well, yesterday you had a chance to sit down for the monthly governor's call-in show with governor Jim Pillen. What are, uh, what were some of the cliff notes out of that for well, you? Well, uh, the, the biggest news yesterday was on the, uh, ability of Ukrainian refugees to get ID cards and then apply for driver's licenses that came out yesterday morning. Uh, the governor had signed that bill earlier this month. It was passed by the legislature. It has to do with uh, what I think they call it a parolee immigration status. Mm-hmm. But in order to get work, you've got to have some uh, you know, state official ID and be able to drive and all that. So uh, the legislature and the governor's office uh, worked with DMV, and they got that rolled out yesterday. So those Ukrainian refugees, which we've got quite a few, uh, will at mm-hmm. least be able to get ID cards and then uh, apply for driver's licenses. So that was one of them. Uh, the governor was asked about bringing, uh, seeing about uh, promoting bringing a, a big league baseball team to Omaha, Major League Baseball. Hey. And he, oh, yeah. he kind of turned that around and says, well, we've got the College World Series. That's pretty darn good in and of itself. So. <laughs> it, it is. There's, and, been a, there's been a lot of talk about what's going to happen with those Oakland A's if they're going to end up in Vegas, but also just the fact that Omaha is a really good sports uh, town. Well, the caller was talking about Pittsburgh or, or uh, I think it was the Rays. They were going to take the Pirates, or they're going to take the Rays. Yeah. Uh, the, well, that was, they were they were <laughs> encouraged. It was. I hadn't I, heard anything about those. I hadn't either. <laughs> Talked a little about uh, property tax relief and the Opportunity Scholarship Program. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we had quite a few calls yesterday. So glad to uh, have the participation of the of the public. Yeah, good. And when when's the uh, when's that next? July seventeenth. July seventeenth. Uh, they're always on a Monday. They're scheduled out through the end of the year. Uh, you can get a link to it. Uh, the best way is through the. This is a Nebraska Broadcasters Association program. Mm-hmm. We happen to produce it here at KLIN, but it's ne-ba.org. And uh, on one of the tabs, I I don't remember which one. You'll see the governor's call-in show and the full list of the dates for the rest of the year is there as well as a link to our podcast of it do you want a quicker way to get there mark sure you can go to klin.com we have the uh the flippers at the top the little banners that fly through the very you see alan k today with jack and friends you see the dan parson show third one in nba monthly governor's call-in show that's easier click on that that takes you directly <laughs> to the governor's call-in show where you can see the full schedule, July 17th, August 21st, September 18th, blah, 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 blah. You can see all of the affiliates on there. As, like you said, this is not just a KLIN show. We just produce it for the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and then past episodes on there as well, fully podcasted. That'll help you out a little bit. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) KLIN.com is a lot easier than the other one. so, So that's how whenever... Whenever I'm having conversations within the building, you're like, okay, how do we get to this? So we go to Nebraska broadcast. I was like, well, you guys can do that. Or you can just go to KLIN and click on the one thing that I asked Kenny to make. And man, he, he was like, oh, that makes it easier too. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. That That's, that's good to hear getting that conversation. And it's always nice when we can get the, uh, get the governor in the building as well yesterday. He's right though. On the college world series, man, that place has been full for the last Oof. two weeks. Yeah. 
and it came to a conclusion yesterday as LSU got, well, they got stomped on Sunday, and then they did the stomping yesterday oh. to win their their seventh national title in baseball, all of those since 1991. And a lot of records. A lot of records broken. There were, the there whole were, there were a lot of records. Home that, runs. Yeah, home runs, strikeouts. Guys are setting career records, yep. season records. You've got a bunch of guys who are going to be taken high in the draft. Yep. It, it was, was a, fun to watch last it, night. It, it was a lot of fun, and I think that that's one of the things that you you heard from Mike Schaefer yesterday as he is, he's gone up there and he's hung out with some of those guys and our friends at 1620 The Zone really knock it out of the park with their coverage of the College World Series all the way up until the Championship Series, but even then... They even they, got some uh, FaceTime on TV last yeah, night. Yeah, even then, they get in on a little bit of it through the, the Championship Series. Yep. That looks like an absolute ball up there. That is so great to have for our state. Think about the number of the 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 high volume of dollars mm-hmm. that come into the state of Nebraska because of an event like that. That's good. One of the things that, that uh, hit me last night, having had a son in college baseball, about the I think it was the end of the seventh, top of the eighth inning, they kept zooming in on this. It must have been an LSU mom. I don't know if you saw this, Caleb, uh-uh. uh, or Mark, but they kept zooming in on this mom several times throughout that, in, I think, the eighth inning into the ninth. She's tearing up, and you can tell she's just ready. Like the, her, her whole life has probably been revolved around watching her son play ball and ultimately want to win that championship, and they could taste it. And it was so fun to watch that, just that excitement mm-hmm. from a parent's standpoint. So, And then, obviously... It was just a great game. The only thing I would have wanted more out of the game last night is if it was like at least a little bit in doubt <laughs> towards the end of it. You had the six-run second inning for LSU, and then it was just a foregone conclusion kind of the rest of the <laughs> yeah. way because you so you really got into Florida's bullpen. LSU was able to keep their guys their their starter out there longer, and then just go to their hammers out of the pen. So. You, it was really the game was kind of over a third of the way in, yep. but it was just about seeing what cool things were going to happen. You had an almost robbed home run that then eventually does go out. You have um, other guys making great catches at the wall that you're like, how did yep. he find that? That's potent- That's potentially your number one, uh, your number one pick. You've got guys getting a standing ovation just for coming out to go to the pin. Um, it, it was it was pretty exciting to watch, and it was. That was a fun, fun, fun two weeks of baseball, and I, man, I want Nebraska to be part of that. <laughs> I, I want that feeling of there being a little bit of a rooting interest here, other than just the we we like these fans because they've been up here a bunch of times. I want there to be that internal rooting interest. You got a little bit of Husker connection to uh, uh, the July eighth. All-Star Futures. Futures game, that's right. Spencer Schwellenbach has been named to that one because as we played shortstop at Nebraska, mm-hmm. um, was, was named a uh, was two-way, he was on all of the list for two-way player of the year and for his hitting and obviously playing shortstop, but we also saw him come in relief quite a bit and as a pitcher. And now, as a professional ball player, he's pitching, and he's pitched pretty well. He had injuries last summer. This summer, he's still not completely healthy, but he's been playing well. He's going to be playing in the Futures game, which is part of the All-Star Weekend festivities, because we we're we two weeks out from that, by the way. Um, exactly two weeks out from the All-Star game. Is that here in Omaha? No. Where's that at? Uh, where where are those at? Right. I Well, I, the, the Futures one is in Seattle, I think. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah, so. But so, I don't know where the All-Star game is. 
So we'll have I'll find that and we can talk about that probably a little bit later but but yeah he is only the fourth husker to ever play really? in this futures game in the first since Jabba Chamberlain. That's a long time ago. So you have got that I mean that already is a is a good pairing on this is a pretty good idea of what kind of talent Spencer mm. Schwellenbach has. He's playing single A ball, probably going to get called up to double A. They're like he's pitching really, really well. He's the best pitcher on their staff, and this is an arm that's got a lot of juice left in it because he wasn't used as a pitcher a whole lot. Right. Like he he came in and in spurts. So yeah, thanks for reminding me on on that. Mark seeing seeing that come in yesterday that you've got he's playing really, really well. You've got several other former Huskers that have been playing really well in the minors. Been seeing a lot of stuff on Cade Povich. And now you think really good Nebraska pitchers during the Will Bolt era, Cade mm-hmm. Povich right up there as one of the better ones. But yeah, it's it's nice to get those local connections on some of those things. Also had a couple of uh, of Husker football commitments. I'll tell you about in sports. And now we're kind of with the College World Series behind us. Now it becomes get to the Fourth of July. Look towards the end of July for fall camp to start. And then once you get to August, things really ramp back up. But this becomes a little bit of a dead period in the sports world. Unless you're really into golf. Golf and maybe some tennis. <laughs> and USFL. And USFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. I, uh, no, no, no. You're right. Just and, and I'm sure there are some people that are really into that. I, yep. I just haven't. I haven't. I got really into the XFL right before it got shut down for COVID. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. St. Louis Battlehawks. You ready to get back into the political realm? Do you? Well, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that. No, we're going to talk about one right now. Oh, you want to talk about one right now? Okay. The Nebraska Examiner just posted a, a story. Looks like Pete Ricketts going to have two people running against him, including Charles W. Herbster. Oh. oh. And uh, a Democrat, Paul Theobald. Okay. New uh, story. Aaron Sandiford's got that. He's uh, looking at uh, some filings with the Federal Election Commission and the International Registry for Website Domain Names. And so Mr. Ricketts could have some competition, both from inside the party and across the party lines. Okay. No, no word yet on any challenge to uh, Senator Deb Fisher. And, of course, this is really strange that we've got both senators up for re-election. Yeah, both of them in 2024. So that's, you, you'll have the entire congressional delegation out of Nebraska all happening at once in next next fall. Yep. So anyway, uh, Paul Theobald, by the way, uh, he ran against Adrian Smith out in the 3rd uh, District. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Adrian Smith, kind of the congressman for life out there. He and, has been in office since I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, Theobald is a former, um, I believe, professor at, at Wayne State. Wayne State College Dean of Education and Counseling. Okay. Also a high school teacher. So anyway, that was uh, kind of a one I didn't expect to come out on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the um, back to, to Spencer Schwellenbach in that Futures game, July 8th, that'll be up in Seattle, and it'll be uh, televised nationally, MLB Network. The four former, well, he's now the fourth, but the three previous Huskers, we said Jabba Chamberlain in 07, Alex Gordon in 06, and Jamal Strong in 2001. It's pretty good company. Yeah. That's pretty darn good company <laughs> for uh, for guys with, with ties to Nebraska and, and doing well in Major League Baseball. <laughs> 
you've seen everything that Alex Gordon has done. Oh, Java Chamberlain's yeah. a World Series champion. So <laughs> Chris Lofgren was saying that uh, Alex Gordon was uh, coaching his son's uh, baseball team at a bunch of uh, games in Omaha over the weekend. Yeah, he, he's out and about with everything. Okay. It's fun to see some of these guys so. out and about. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into a little bit more politics a little bit later because yeah. we'll we'll have uh, we'll have Joe Jordan on at seven ten. Yep, and and of course yesterday uh, the big announcement on broadband funding uh, for the state. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, it's a part of a national program. Forty two point four five billion dollars. Nebraska is going to give about four hundred five million. Wow, of that for broadband. Uh, Senator Fisher uh, issued a statement on it. She supported it. As did uh, Congressman Bacon, so maybe you can uh, get a little more information from him uh, when you ta- talk to him at, what, 810? 810, we'll talk with Congressman Bacon. So all of that coming up, as we said, we got a check of sports just around the corner here. couple of Husker football commitments. That class is really rounding out ranking. Not looking bad either for them. We'll get you that and more coming up. It is 625 on LNK Today. The whole story. Always accurate coverage. 1499.3 KLI. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln. And conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. Don't forget this Friday's Request Line Friday theme is America. How are you defined that? You can send in your request, 402-479-1400. And we will get those played as we celebrate heading into the weekend for fourth of july which is coming up in exactly one week on tuesday so and also don't forget next monday he's got the uncle sam jam you'll be able to listen right here hear some of that music that playlist put together and also make sure you head on out and watch some of those fireworks more information on the uncle sam jam at klin.com and all the stations here at broadcast house pitching in for that as we do every single year let's jump into that sound off as you probably heard right at the top of the fox news update about seven minutes ago russia is dropping those charge charges against wagner this official word from russia's federal security services confirmation of the deal reached on saturday when wagner group members were just 120 miles from moscow a statement says the participants stopped their actions directly aimed at committing a crime president putin had described the apparent rebellion as treason and a stab in the back then offered wagner leader Yevgeny prigozhin a way out he's agreed to exile in neighboring belarus yesterday putin said the fighters were mainly patriots who 
had been misled. The Russian Defence Ministry says Wagner is preparing to hand its military hardware over to them. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. We'll hear more on that with Congressman Don Bacon at, yep, at 810 and, and get a little bit of what, what he sees and what, what he knows and can let us know as well. More U.S. money is headed to Ukraine. More than 50 heavily armored vehicles, a fresh stash of missiles and artillery are supposed to be going to Ukraine. This newest package marks the 41st time since the Russian invasion started that the Pentagon's given aid to Ukraine through presidential drawdown authority. But since the aid packages are planned in advance, it's not believed that this latest round was chosen based on the weekend rebellion against Moscow by the mercenaries of the Wagner Group. However, this newest batch of vehicles and missiles is expected to bolster Ukraine's current counteroffensive. Jill Nato, Fox News. Really interested to know how anything that happened with the Wagner Group is impacting ukraine and how long this is going to go on right that's a lot of money well it's it's a lot of money it's a lot of equipment the equipment and i'm surprised to hear you know he's handing that all over and whatever this you know peace deal is yeah yeah who knows where it all goes yeah we'll we'll see what all happens there hey here's an update on what's happening with hunter biden president biden's denial comes as the white house goes on defense about hunter biden attending the state dinner with his father all this amid stunning whistleblower allegations of political interference in the federal investigation into his tax affairs which led to hunter pleading guilty to two federal tax charges and one federal gun charge in what some are calling a sweetheart plea deal that will likely keep the president's son out of prison. It comes after IRS whistleblowers told Congress the agency recommended far more charges for Hunter Biden, but said the decision was hampered by political influence at the DOJ. Now, House Republicans say Americans deserve answers from the prosecutors who allegedly mishandled the probe from the very beginning. Speaking of the Bidens and money, the Bidenomics speech, remember what we talked a little bit yesterday yesterday about Bidenomics, that speech is coming up tomorrow. Here's some more on that. Bidenomics is a vision to grow the economy from the bottom up and the middle out. You hear us say that over and over again because we believe that trickle-down economics does not work. And we have seen that over and over and over again. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre suggests the framing of Bidenomics is intended to draw contrast with previous administrations. Transforming the way we see the economy in a different way. In a way, again, that is equal, that does has equality, uh, equity at the center of it and leaves no one behind. The messaging push also comes as a majority of Americans express disapproval in the president's handling of the economy. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. We're still a little bit out from getting our first check of time saver traffic, but we did get a call come in. There's a two-vehicle accident. Fletcher and Meridian northbound lane is blocked. A lot of debris on the road that's just northeast of Lincoln North Star High School. Again, there's a two-vehicle accident. Fletcher and Meridian, that northbound lane blocked. A lot of debris on the road just northeast of Lincoln North Star. And that was just a uh, couple minutes ago we got that call in here. So as you're out and about, make sure we're uh, keeping heads up for uh, any any accidents that are out there. We're slowing down a little bit. And especially if this might impact your commute, if you got a little bit earlier of a morning, watch out for the area just northeast of North Star. Uh, folks up in the northeast of the United States getting into some 
campaigning. GOP has hit New Hampshire. The New Hampshire primary is coming up early next year and campaign time. That's no time. So hitting the Granite State today, you have former President Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and former Congressman Will Hurd's going to be there too. He just joined the race last week, so he's in it now. The real clear politics average of polls in New Hampshire. The former president holds twice the support of his top challenger, Ron DeSantis. The rest fall into the low single digits. You were looking up some of the GOP candidates yesterday, and oh, you, were were. Ask, you were asking me why Vivek uh, Ramaswamy yeah. does not have more, is not getting more run right now. Right, because I was looking, because we were, we were talking about that yesterday and going through some of the candidates. He's just really appealing in regards to just his communication, his look, his age, which we talked about, right? Being younger. Let's go millennials. Millennials, which we don't I don't know if we even have we'll have any other millennials in the race overall. I mean, probably, we'll find out. Probably not. And then just looking at how he is utilizing social media because we've been so- talking about social media the last several days. It's been it's impressive to to look at and to watch. And, you know, why not have some younger minds, some thoughts in the race to push? I think I think it's a good thing. Yeah, we'll see. So, but He's not getting more run because Donald Trump's in the race. <laughs> no. Like that that's entirely it. That's true. That it, it would be a little bit more wide open if you didn't have this this unicorn sitting out yep. front. They, well the, the elephant open, all, yeah, well. the elephant in the room is, is literally what it is with the GOP. Uh SCOTUS opinion. Hey, can we can we go back for just a second yes, though? Yes, we can. All absolutely. Right, so, we can do whatever we want. All right. So all right. So I was gonna talk about this yesterday. Did you see Robert Kennedy Jr.? Working out in jeans? Working out, prepping for his campaign. Working out, we're at Venice Beach, mm-hmm. Gold's Gym. That guy's jacked at 69. 69. He is, but also... <laughs> and Yeah, it, okay. Here's, here's my thing with that video. If you haven't seen that video, it is literally everywhere on social media. Just, just, search, uh, just search RFK and like lifting or yep. something. Props for the jeans. Dude absolutely looks fantastic for his age. And maybe it was at the end of some supersets. But man, that was what, like 75, 80 pounds on the on, <laughs> Well, like, yeah, total. oh yeah. Like, and, and like it, he, was, he was not, there are some dudes on Venice Beach moving some weight. Did you see the push-up challenge where he was trying to do 10? Yeah. And he barely made the 10? Yeah. Like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he was at the end of a superset, wasted, and he could barely get those 10 out. But anyway, he looked good. Yeah, he looked Either good. Either way. I'll give him that. You know, talking about and then trying to get, you know, being prepped for the race. He makes everybody else look like a slob. I will absolutely I mean. give him that. He did look good. Uh, SCOTUS opinions are still coming up as the end of that session looms. Ten cases are unresolved, including challenges to affirmative action, student loan forgiveness, and anti-discrimination laws. President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, canceling as much as $20,000 for some borrowers, has been on hold as the justices consider whether the Department of Education has the authority to forgive the debt. Two universities, Harvard and the University of North Carolina, are waiting word on affirmative action policies allowing for race to play a role in admissions. In Colorado's anti-discrimination law is back in front of the justices in a case involving a website designer who objects to making wedding websites for same-sex couples. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. I mean, I'm personally interested in what happens with the student loan one, but it's to the point where I'm just, make a decision, let me know if I, like, am I going to get relief? Am I not going right. to get relief? I'll take it if it's there. If it's not cool, I just want to know. Have they still been able to, have you still been able to have it on hold? 
Yes. The, the so fe- they've the, extended that. So the, the federal ones, but that's coming up. I, I think in August. Okay. Is when I thought for some reason there was a deadline in June. Did is they when, extend that or Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure it's in, in August that the maybe it's July, that the payments resume right. for your federal And that's months. been what, two years, two and a half years? Three. Three years now since yeah, it kicked it, in. Yeah, it goes it goes back to twenty twenty. Yeah. Wow. You've got that. But if you had private private lo- uh, student loans through something like Sally May. Right. You've still been having to make those payments. So so the pause was only and the Supreme Court decision would only affect those that are th- that are your federal student loans. Right. Not any student ones, not anything where you went and um had it as a private consolidation. Nothing with those. It's just the federal student loans at this point. And I remember the day we paid off ours. Whew. That was a good day. <laughs> um, not a great day for some as a there was a California man who threatened to light a cook on fire. Did you hear about this? <laughs> the place was closed and the cook was prepping the pies. So he thought he was a joke. I think that was water. When he smelled the gasoline, that was when he reacted. Still holding the knife, head of lettuce, and shaking, he walks backwards. The stranger picks up his own large knife from the prep room, follows the worker, and tries to set him on fire. He goes, help, help, help. So somebody's in the truck. The good Samaritan in the truck jumps out and tries to reason with him, but the bad guy douses him in lighter fluid. I just pulled up, and the guy just got knocked out, and he's just, his head's bleeding, and there was another guy in the parking lot, and he was just saying, um, you need to get out of here, I'm going to knock you out again. The man who comes to the rescue clocks him again, and police arrive. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought this the story was out of control. <laughs> That's way out of control. Um, this one, there's a, a crew. Remember how uh, maybe maybe afraid wasn't the word, but we were all extra extra cautious of cruise ships once they had to quarantine the cruise yeah. ships with COVID. Yep. But then, okay, how many people are really going on those? Then you start to see everything about the conditions on cruise ships and. Man, I don't know if I could do just a long time where it's like, this is all I have. Like, this is all the space I have. I can literally... Well, remember I, COVID where they were stuck out in yeah. the ocean for like a couple months or yep. something like that? Yeah, they're quarantined out there. Ugh. Little bit different of a situation. There was a rescue recently with a cruise ship. A cruise turned crisis on Sunday for passengers on Royal Caribbean's Mariner of the Seas. I was like, uh, someone just died. Matthew Kuhn watched the ordeal unfold from his balcony where everyone was trying to spot the person in the water. I thought it was amazing just to see like everyone was on their balcony. Everyone was trying to help and um, the crew was very receptive to um, just everyone. Royal Caribbean tells Fox 35 in a statement the ship and crew immediately reported the incident to local authorities and began searching for the guests. Thankfully, the guest was successfully recovered and was brought on board. That just sounds wild. (laughs) Have you you been on a cruise? No. We've been on one and um, it's it's a fun experience. My wife didn't like it because she doesn't like to be out where you can't see land. Yep. But you do become close. I mean, you get to know people that you've mm-hmm. never met before because you're mm-hmm. spending dinner with them, time with them, all that stuff, which is really cool. And so to hear that and then to start talking to I can to the do staff, that at a summer camp. You can, all right? You can. You can. But then can you can you visit the Caribbean? Can you hang out on nice sandy beaches? Can they can visit you? Platte River State Park? <laughs> I can do that in a very safe area. 
There's no sinking <laughs> in my cabin, okay? And if there is, we've got other issues. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, I, I am not about that. Um, another one a little bit on, on some tourism stuff. We we saw the how much folks would pay to go to the depths of the ocean. Well, you can pay to go the other direction, too. Virgin Galactic says the VSS Unity will take off Thursday from Spaceport America in New Mexico for a 90-minute manned flight and data-collecting mission via a series of suborbital science experiments on board three Italians and a Virgin Galactic flight instructor. The spacecraft, part of billionaire Richard Branson's Virgin Group, has a maximum capacity of six passengers. It's already flown five times to suborbital space most recently in May. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. That would be cool. Commercial space flight. That would be cool. Now, I'd rather do that than go to the depths of the ocean, right? Right, that's feels... talked about because we've been space, we've been out there many times. That feels and safer, right? And there's communication <laughs> so we know what's going on. But that would be awesome. Would you do it? I'd consider it. I'd consider it. I wouldn't pay for it myself, but I'd consider it. <laughs> if you got a sponsorship, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> let's get a sponsorship. Sponsor me. Send me to send me to space. Um, speaking of, so things like that, those are thing. Those are called extreme tourism. The the going to the depths of paying a lot of money to go to these different places. Well. There's a lot of talk about that industry right now. The tragedy is sparking a fresh look at the extreme tourism industry. Adventure tourism is expected to explode over the decade. Valued at $317 billion last year, it's projected to reach over a trillion by 2030, with extreme experiences accounting for a quarter of that. While only the very rich can afford these experiences, many are questioning if the recent disaster will negatively impact the industry. Experts say no, that this will be viewed as an isolated incident and that consumer desire to push limits won't disappear. Instead, tourism researchers share this will only affect folks on the margin. If you've got the money, it does not matter if, if, if an accident or a tragedy happens somewhere else. No. Especially the way it happened. So, it's... so you've got, that's kind of the, the super deep sea diving. You've got the going to space. You've got the hiking Everest or trips through the mountains trips deep into the jungle it is whatever adventure that you can pay for that somebody will take you on platte river state park just like that that's where i'm at that is my (laughs) spot uh you big roller coaster guy i do like roller coasters yes i do do you like swedish roller coasters i have no idea stay off of this one corona lund is sweden's oldest amusement park dating back to 1883 on sunday the jetline roller coaster partially derailed sending some passengers falling up to 25 feet to the ground another managed to cling onto the track most of the injured including three children are back home but four adults remain hospitalized government experts have arrived at corona lund to investigate There's a separate criminal investigation into possible charges of involuntary manslaughter, causing bodily harm and danger to others. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Don't go across seas for the roller coaster. Yeah, we got roller coasters just down the road, right? Well, we were in Kansas City over the weekend. We just saw the Zambezi Zinger, all right, at Worlds of Fun, one of my all-time favorite roller coasters. Zambezi Zinger? Redone. You've never been on the Zambezi Zinger? I am not. Oh, dude. Am I going to go super fast or loop-de-loop? Actually, no, not on the Zambezi Zinger. You're just going to go up and down. All it was, it it was one of the top I, roller coasters when okay, I was. Okay, okay. You, I'll tell you, you don't this. go upside down. I'll tell you this. I don't like swing sets. <laughs> My stomach gets queasy on a swing set. Okay. Teeter totters. 
I could do teeter totters, right. but I'm bigger than everybody else. No one can ever push me back up in the air. <laughs> do that thing where like you, you land really there. hard on your butt, and you're just like, "Well, this, this is fun, everybody. It was good. Good job. Let's do the teeter totters. Oh, <laughs> well, you can sit up in the air. That's fun." Did you hear about a tsunami in Florida recently? <laughs> no, really. Like there was a tsunami hit I, Florida. Really. A rare four-foot tsunami crashed on shore at normally calm Clearwater Beach, Florida last Wednesday. The National Weather Service confirms it was indeed a tsunami, just not the kind you usually hear about. This type is called a meteo tsunami, caused by storms with strong gusting winds, rather than the dramatic tsunamis triggered by earthquakes. While some meteo tsunamis have reached six feet or more, this one was only high enough to cause some flooding and excite surfers. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. Put put an extra four feet on everything that's coming in. We were just at Clearwater Beach. Oh, oh really? Because yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. we went to Orlando, we so drove. That's, we that's drove, what happened, huh? Well, uh, we, we drove over. No, 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 no. We went the other. We went to Cocoa Beach. That's where we were. Yeah, we went to Cocoa Beach. But yeah, all in that area is just like. That would have been wild. All of a sudden, see, have my daughter out there with us. We're like, that one looks a little bit bigger. That looks a little bit bigger. Uh, travel is going to be, I mean, it always is. Like, that. that's not news at all that there's going to be a lot of travel 4th of July weekend. Well, how much of that? With gas prices over a dollar a gallon lower than a year ago, AAA says 50.7 million Americans will travel at least 50 miles from home for the long holiday weekend. And that'll pass the previous record of 49 million travelers the summer before the pandemic in 2019. It's also an increase of 2.1 million from a year ago. The number of Americans traveling by car expected to hit a record of 43.2 million, up almost 2.5% from a year ago. And the number of Americans traveling by air expected to hit its highest percentage in 20 years. With July 4th falling on a Tuesday this year, the weekend is a day longer with Friday, June 30th, expected to be the busiest day on the roads. Ted Lindner, Fox News. You traveled more than 50 miles? This this holiday? Yeah. No. We're staying home. We we might go to Grand Island on one of the there days. There you go. So I, I, so I fall into that. Now, here it is. Here is the one where we think Jack Mitchell might not be coming back to the United States. I've been waiting all morning. Because of his, <laughs> his Italian trip, he's going to be in trouble with the... He possibly is in trouble with the authorities, and he's probably most likely in trouble with his wife. This is what's going on in Italy. The ancient Colosseum, built nearly 2,000 years ago, defaced by someone who decided to carve his and a woman's name into a wall. Cell phone video showing the man carving Ivan plus Haley. Italy's culture minister called the incident serious, unworthy, and a sign of great incivility. And officials want that man to be identified and reprimanded. Jill Nato, Fox News. Okay, first of all, one, who's Haley? Two, Jack Mitchell is not a person. He might use a fake name. We know he might use a fake name. He might be going by Ivan now. He might not be coming back to the United States. LNK today with Ivan and friends. Might, Maybe. It's got a little ring to it. If he ever comes back, <laughs> get this figured out, Jack. From, he can pot it from the prison. <laughs> uh, coming up on the top of the hour here, don't forget we've got Joe Jordan. Next hour, your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Congressman Don Bacon and John Baylor. All coming up on LNK today with Jack and friends. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. It's that time on a Tuesday morning. Jack Mitchell is out, but Caleb Henry, Doug Fitzgerald are in with you in the KLIN studio, and we turn to News Channel Nebraska's Joe Jordan. Joe, welcome to LNK Today with Jack's friends on this Tuesday morning. I didn't know Jack had any friends. I didn't know. know. We're just trying to brand it that way and really work on his image while he's gone so he can come back and the people really like him. Understand. Understand. Um, Hey, we got a a little bit this morning from an examiner piece on, on potential opponents getting into next year's elections. We're a year and a half out still <laughs> from from that general election in 2024, but you'd also had a conversation on the uh on the Democrat side with Jane Kleb on 2024 races where she was kind of vague saying they'd have a couple of candidates for those Senate races. I'm pretty sure they're going to have someone and let's just base well, I'm pretty sure they're going to have someone to take on Pete Ricketts, assuming, of course, that Pete Ricketts hangs on to the Senate seat through the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. If you'll recall, uh, for quite some time now, uh, Charles Herbster, uh, clearly not happy with how the Senate, the governor's race came out with uh, Jim Pillen. He felt that he was uh, you know, misaligned by the party, attacked uh, the whole thing with Julie Slama and the, and the abuse allegations uh, that that were reported widely across the state. Uh, Charles Herbster still feels that uh, he was wronged in, in that election. And uh, most of his ire is aimed at Jim Pillen and, therefore, at, at Governor Rick, then-Governor Ricketts, because Ricketts was backing uh, Pillen. Ricketts made it very clear that he didn't think Herbster should be the nominee of the party. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of ill will and bad feelings still left over from that that governor's uh, primary, and so Herbster has been thinking about this for quite some time. Whether or not he's going to pull the trigger uh, is it's wait and see. But if if Herbster does run, it, it seems likely that he'd be running against uh, Ricketts in the primary and not against uh, uh, Senator Deb Fisher. Mm-hmm. The unusualness of this is is so uh, unusual because you've got two U.S. Senate races in Nebraska in one year. I can't remember that ever (laughs) happening before. If it did, it was certainly more than 50 years ago. Uh, But this is pretty uncommon. Uh, Obviously, Ricketts gets appointed. He fills out the term of Ben Sass, which is till 2026. And then 
whoever wins in 2024 wins that Ricketts seat in 2024, but they run again in 2026 for the full six-year term. In the meantime, Deb Fisher is running for her third term, which some people back when she was running in the, for her second term thought that, that was probably going to be it, but she has decided to go for a third term. And my guess is that the Democrats feel that that's a little tougher fight. In, in, mm-hmm. the, in the Ricketts race, let's assume Ricketts gets the nomination. Herbster runs, doesn't run, but Ricketts, Ricketts is the nominee. The Democrats think they can make a case of a backroom deal between Pillen and Ricketts, make it look – have, have some – cause of action against Pete Ricketts. They're, they find it tougher and tougher to run against Deb Fisher. She beat Bob Carey by 18 points in 2012. Uh, she runs in 2018 against Jane Raybould, who is now a state senator. Uh, was uh, Then I think she was either a, a Lancaster County commissioner or, or on the council at that time, Lincoln, but she was a political you know, animal. And, and she got beat by 20 points by Deb Fisher. Fisher has been a real Teflon uh, candidate in terms of Democrats trying to put anything on her and make her a, a, a good solid target, they think the Democrats think they can muck up uh, Ricketts in an election, and and, and certainly they think I, I, I've got to believe they believe that if if Herbster were the nominee, they could have plenty of ammunition against him in in a general election. So their their focus, to me appears to be the Ricketts seat and not the Fisher seat going forward. Well, that Ricketts seat, like like you said, it's going to feel like it's a House seat with, with the election coming up every two years initially. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the difficulty, of course, for the, for the Democrats is running against someone who is, who's had two successful terms as governor, and by successful, I mean winning both his campaigns by double-digit mm-hmm. landslides. You can argue what he did when he was in office, but the voters twice you know, said overwhelmingly they, they wanted him. Uh, so that that's a tough test to begin with. Uh, financially, Ricketts has never had any problems, you know, raising money for obvi- for a lot of obvious reasons. And now he's an incumbent U.S. senator, which makes taking him out, you know, all the more problematical for the Democrats. So there will be, uh, I, I do firmly believe when Jane Klebb told me that they have candidates, she wasn't going to name them yet. Uh, they're going to have some candidates. Who they're going to be in the end, it's, I think that's unclear. Uh, Jane Rabel's name, I, I presume, is going to come up again. Uh, I don't think against Deb Fisher. She's already lost that one, but maybe against uh, in the, the Ricketts seat. Uh, but I did specifically ask uh, Jane Kleb if uh, these were the candidates, because she says they've, she has candidates, uh, at least two candidates. Uh, and they're not going to come out uh, formally until sometime in the fall or, or, or late fall. And so I asked her, are, are these elected officials? And uh, she said, uh, wait and see, maybe, maybe not. I said, well, are they names that people are going to recognize? Because sometimes you know, you, the Democrats come up with these candidates. Everybody goes, who? <laughs> uh, and so she said they are they are names that she believes people will immediately recognize. So that's where we are in terms of the Democrats trying to uh, – Get some uh, candidates together. You, 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 you mentioned at the beginning, uh, it's a year and a half away, and it is. But in terms of trying to pull these, all these levers together, uh, you need some time as a candidate uh, mm-hmm. to run a statewide race. And so, if you are going to do something, uh, late fall is probably the latest you can get into this thing. You've got to start raising a whole bunch of money. You've got to be all over the state for in 93 counties for several months. You know, will there be? You know. Will there be a Democratic primary? Uh, Democrats have always had trouble 
giving getting more than one candidate for some of these races. Uh, I, I doubt there'll be more than there'll be primaries. I, you know, I have I have talked to a variety of public officials over time, uh, and 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 none more adamant about the need for primaries than former Governor Dave Heineman. And he has always made the case that the primaries not only make you a strong, if you win, if you lose, it doesn't, you know, right. you probably wish you were in primaries, <laughs> but, but if you win, you're a stronger candidate. You've been through the fire. You're, you're, you're on, you're up and running, you know, right out of that primary, not trying to start fresh and new. Um, but the Democrats have always had trouble doing that. And, and, and the problem that creates, and this happened in the, uh, this happened in the in the governor's race. You had Herbster and Pillen getting all the headlines for four to five months, mm-hmm. and 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 Carol Blood's out there on the Democratic side, running by herself, and and nothing crickets on the on the Democratic side because there was no battle going on. So we get you know so whoever comes out of the primary on the Republican side is is well publicized, well known, and Carol Blood's you know. Is, basically starting from scratch trying to get some traction and then pillin decides he's not even going to debate her which took all any <laughs> any chance she had of making any noise pretty much impossible so it, it, so it would be helpful to the democrats i think and i think there's others that agree with this to have some more than one candidate have some primary fights and and you know the, the best person to win and 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 come out of those primaries with some with some momentum Joe, did she talk about any of the angles or issues that they feel like will give them a chance to win? Uh, nothing you wouldn't have heard before. I mean, they believe that, that clean energy is, is an important issue in the state. They don't think the Republicans are, are anywhere near wanting clean energy, that they're all fossil fuel uh, you know, functionaries. Uh, I didn't mean that to be so alliterative, but it came out that way. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, they, they think that uh, jobs in, in rural Nebraska are a problem, and, and, and they argue the argument would be the Republicans haven't done anything to shore up uh, the need for jobs uh, in, in western Nebraska. Uh, so I think that's what you're going to hear. What was interesting, I've got a, I've also got a piece out about uh, uh, Will Vargas run against Don Bacon, and one thing I, I asked her if there was one reason it was a two point race. It seemed it seemed a bigger win than that for for Bacon in the end, but it was it came down to you know fifty one forty nine, which is how a lot of these house races in Omaha you know have been have been coming out for the past you know ten or twelve years. Uh, and I asked her, was there one thing that kept Vargas uh, from winning? And she surprised me when she said, "COVID, the two years of COVID, the Democrats basically did no outdoor ground game. They kept." You know, in her view, they wanted to keep their their workers safer, so they weren't doing, they weren't knocking on doors, they weren't going, uh, you know, person to person, and the Republicans uh, continued to do that, and she felt that that was a major mistake that they made in in 2022 in the Vargas race. Uh, it, I don't know what effect it. I don't think it really mattered in the in, in the statewide races because the, the the ones that occurred were overwhelmingly Republican wins in the end. Mm-hmm. But she felt that the Vargas race uh, may have well turned because the Democrats sat on their hands for those two years, uh, and uh, she, she says that that's that's going to change. I mean, obviously COVID's gone, but that will change uh, going into 2024. And uh, if Vargas runs. There's a history of, of, of candidates in, in, in the second district running a second time and doing better than they did the first time. Jim Esch, Jim Esch did that uh, almost 10 years ago now and against uh, then uh, Congressman Lee Terry. 
And uh, the second time, he, he lost both times, but the second time was even tighter. I would think Vargas would have learned a lot from his first go-around with Bacon. And the other advantage that uh, the Democrats usually have uh, in a presidential year, which obviously 2024 will be, the turnout is always higher. And in the second congressional district, that usually means more Democrats getting to the polls than Republicans. So there's a lot of reasons why Vargas would want to take a second bite at the apple against Bacon. If he doesn't, I'm not sure who the Democrats are going to come up with. I think they're banking on Vargas. Uh, I've tried to talk to Vargas about it. He hasn't responded to my call. So we're kind of stuck on that. But I, but it, it, it appeared to me from my conversation with Jane Klebb that it, Reading between the lines, I think she thinks Vargas is going to do it. Maybe he's told her he's going to do it, but uh, I think she thinks he's going to do it, and uh, that would be an interesting rematch between Bacon and Vargas. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to write, Joe, but you had it sitting right there that instead of a second bite of the apple, a second bite of bacon. You had it sitting right there. Um no, we, we and, will and, have... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and according to Don Bacon, everybody loves bacon. So yeah, yep. You're probably right. <laughs> and we will talk with Congressman Bacon this next hour. You had actually written about him earlier this month. It was in a piece talking about his mixed comments on the indictment of former Donald, former President Donald Trump. But yes. you, you called him the state's most politically vulnerable Republican on Capitol Hill. That, that's got to be something that definitely leads towards Vargas or Democrats as a whole, thinking that that's a seat they can take. Well, it's a seat they always think they can take. I mean, the only time they won it, uh, I mean, it's, it's, this is a purple district. There's no doubt about it. But it's, but it's, it's a purple district with a, with a clearly red tinge around it. I mean, the only, the only race the Democrats have won here for the last 20-some-odd years, 2014, uh, former State Senator Brad Ashford won the congressional seat, beat Lee Terry, and largely he beat Lee Terry because Lee Terry had basically put his foot in his mouth uh, and talked about how uh, he wasn't going to take a pay cut uh, because he had kids in college and a nice house, and it just erupted in the district. Uh, Ashford kind of came out of nowhere, beats Lee Terry, and then two years later, you know, Ashford gets beat by Bacon, and Bacon gets reelected three times. Now he's a, so he's a four-term congressman, and that has been the case in Omaha for quite some time. Mm-hmm. The Democrats get close; it's always a close race. They've only been able to get it across the finish line, as I said, in 2014. And so, but whoever holds that house seat, whoever holds the house seat in in in, in Omaha, uh, they're very vulnerable. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just the way it, it's it's a 51-49 district. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's fifty two forty eight, but it's it's the closest it's the closest, you know, quote unquote congressional Senate race in Nebraska every two years. So obviously that that's when you do get to a uh you get to a general election. Real quick, just back to the back to the Senate seats mm-hmm. because we had uh earlier this week and actually it would it would have been about a, a week ago last week, so Senator Pete Ricketts had tweeted out something about there was something that had been uh overturned regarding uh, pistol braces and but his tweet effectively the first sentence says we cannot allow unelected bureaucrats to trample on our rights i quote tweeted that tongue-in-cheek with a screenshot of the headline nebraska governor pillen appoints former governor pete ricketts as ben sass's senate replacement the reason i bring that up is when you look at the potential for him being primaried it wasn't just 
liberals that were liking or retweeting this. It was folks whose Twitter bios say Nebraska Patriot, Trumpster, MAGA, and all the way to the Nebraska Freedom Coalition liking it. it does does that make him re- incredibly vulnerable, especially to someone like Herbster in the primary? Well, I mean, Herbster is a MAGA Republican. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not, you know, I mean, he's, he, he, I don't want to say he worships at the Trump altar, but he has been very tied to, to Donald Trump for several years now. And he's made, you know, he's made that his part of his sales pitch that, and so, so I would think that whatever, that the, 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 the Tried and true Trumpsters in Nebraska, they're going to. They're, if, if it's Herbster versus Ricketts, I got to believe they're going to be with Herbster. Now, if you, and if you go back to the governor's race when you had you know Pillen, uh, you know against Herbster, Herbster had those same you know Trump people on his side then, and Pillen managed to to edge it out. It was you know very close race. Um, the difference. Pete Ricketts is a different animal. Uh, he has the ability uh, to, at the, at the one at one point, you know, be okay with with uh, Donald Trump. At the same time, have some distance from Trump, and that's that's sort of how he has maneuvered this thing for quite some time now. Um, and if Herbster takes on if Herbster takes on Ricketts, I will tell you this. This that would be a race to watch. It would it will be fun for for those of us who who consider this kind of stuff fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, wherever uh, you draw the line fun for fun, because, <laughs> be, both there'll be plenty of money on both sides. Uh, there'll be plenty of issues. I mean, I mean, what, you, you, we will probably relitigate the 2022 governor's race in terms of Herbster and the and the sexual allegations that were made. Uh, it will be you know, and then there'll, there'll be the whole thing about did Pillen you know do a favor for Ricketts, appointing him to the U.S. Senate. Was it a backroom deal? I mean, if all those things are on the table at one time, it will be it'll be a, a raucous event, if, to say the least. <laughs> to say the least, exactly. Hey, that's uh, News Channel Nebraska's Joe Jordan. Joe, uh, no show next week. It's the 4th of July, so hope you have a, a great weekend, and we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Hey, thanks, guys. I always appreciate it. Take care. 727, we're going to check a sports next on LNK Today. Let Lincoln know if your organization or business is impacted by the latest severe weather. Go under the closings tab and sign up at KLIN.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Sofgren. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's jump right into it with 
number five. Nebraska Department of Motor Vehicles got busy. Uh, the legislature earlier uh, this session uh, passed a bill that directed the DMV to issue credentials to people with parolee immigration status by November 1st at the latest. Now, this was really targeting Ukrainian refugees who came to this country, but without a state ID or a driver's license, they aren't able to work. Well, Rhonda Lamb, who's been with the state for over 40 years, by the way. Wow. Uh, she heads up the DMV. They got at it. They actually rolled the program out. And remember, it had to be out by November 1st, according to the legislature. Rolled it out yesterday, less than a month after the governor signed it. And so now refugees with that status can go to the DMV and get an ID card. I believe there's a, a, an appointment process in order to get the driver's license. But this will allow refugees with this status to, uh, you know, be productive members, get be gainfully employed and be uh, even more integrated into the communities. And we've got a lot of them here in Nebraska. And I believe Governor Jim Pillen had to, obviously he had to sign this, and you talked with him yesterday. Yeah, he, he signed it, I believe it was June 1st. Uh, but to have the DMV get this thing put together and out and, and to all of the DMV offices within a month is pretty spectacular. I mean, it, you might talk about uh, waiting in line at the DMV, but... They put this thing in whoopee gear and they got it out. Well, you know? think about the number of times that whether something is passed via a state petition. There, there's a petition drive. It goes to the ballot and the voters say, yes, we want that. The legislature has to work on it or something just gets passed in the legislature. How long it takes sometimes to right. put these things in place. And you said it, what was, you said it was a November 1st deadline. But yeah, they it, said, to heck with that, we are putting it out now. Yeah, this this has come up uh, uh, actually a couple of months with the governor. Uh, it was brought up, uh, one caller uh, was talking about the Ukrainian refugees that were in their community, not able to work, not able to get, uh, you know, some of the benefits that are allowed under this parolee immigration mm-hmm. status. And the governor uh, explained that he was going to sign the bill. Once it got out of the legislature, he did, and boy, they got at it. So that's now in place. Uh, you can uh, pre-register for for some of it on the DMV website. It'll direct you. Uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Do we have any idea how how many people this impacts, not in Nebraska as a whole, but especially here in Lincoln? Uh, I don't have a number on that. I'm sure somebody has got it. Uh, it's... You know, we talk a lot about the Ukrainian refugees yeah. because of all of that. Right. But there are, are refugees from other countries right. as well that will be affected by this. So I don't know if we've got a, a, a firm number, but it's a, a fairly significant uh, group of people, as I understand it. Mostly I ask that simply because we have we have a worker shortage. Right. So if you all of a sudden have this influx, like there's these people here that have the ability to work, want to work, but did not have the legal means to work, by which now is passed, and now they have that legal means, that should help out a lot of these businesses, shouldn't it? Well, you would think so. Uh, one of the areas that, that's been critically short, and that is uh, commercial driver's licenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the governor has actually signed uh, some exemptions to rules to allow fuel deliveries over the uh, amount of hours that a, a driver could normally do. Well, this uh, will also allow especially those that have the skills and the training mm-hmm. to get a CDL and help in that case. And and we do have a, a real, it's a really tight market for fuel deliveries throughout the state. Mm-hmm. So that's just one example of where this should provide some relief going forward. I, yeah. I, 
I always like it when, when you can have legislation that goes through and it's obviously this is to help those communities right. uh, have the ability to work but for those of us that already work and, and obviously there's a lot of folks that we work with here at KLIN that are business owners, business leaders that have needed needed some help with getting some employees that it, it helps out the general community yep. as well. I was looking on the Lincoln government site, and this is a couple years old, so it probably doesn't include the Ukrainian numbers, but it says uh, Lincoln's home to over 30,000 immigrants from approximately 150 different countries. Yeah, there's, And that doesn't include the Ukrainian, you know... The, the influx of recent... Right. Yeah. So, and, and I believe LPS has like a uh, hundred and some different English as a second language uh, yeah. students. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly significant. Lincoln is one of the largest um, destinations for the, the group out of, uh, what is it, Iran or Iraq that, uh, that in the Kurdish area. Oh, right, right, right. And yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I apologize. So. Well, we'll get to the next one then. Number four. Speaking about getting uh, things into action, this one took a little longer, but significant numbers. The Biden administration yesterday announced $42.45 billion. It's part of the high-speed broadband internet uh, that they want across the country by the end of the decade. Uh, they're also, you know, kind of comparing this back to FDR's uh, rural electric uh, program that brought electricity to a lot of areas. Uh, Nebraska is going to get $405 million in broadband funding. Uh, most of that, as I understand it, will be uh, worked through with the new broadband office that the legislature approved and the governor signed. Uh, Senator Fisher made the announcement yesterday of $405,281,070. It was also supported as part of that infrastructure bill in 2021 that was passed. Uh, Congressman Don Bacon was also supportive. Matter of fact, I think the, uh, I'm not sure the entire delegation, but uh, there were parts of it that uh, they all supported. This is one of it, and, and this was another topic that the uh, governor addressed on his show yesterday. And that uh, broadband, or the governor's call-in show, mm-hmm. is also posted at KLIN.com. And then we'll talk with Congressman Bacon in about, uh, about 50 or about 30 minutes here on LNK today. But that's that's incredible because I know, and well, Doug, you know it as well, that out in, once you do get west of Lincoln, <laughs> when you do get out into greater Nebraska, you get into central Nebraska, you get into north central Nebraska, you get into the Sand Hills and the Panhandle, you are few and far between for communities, and that makes it harder to get some of that access. Yeah, you know, I remember in 1980 when we got cable out to our farm in Albion. And then you think, and now I remember the first cell tower, right? And that progress. But yeah, when you get out there, you're isolated. I'm curious to know, you know, is it going to be, is the infrastructure cables and lines, or is it satellite? Is that a combo? Well, I, I believe it's a combo, uh, but primarily it's going to be terrestrial-based. Satellite uh, lim- is limited in some uh, ways, satellite uh, distribution of the internet. Uh, and, and especially when you look at, at manufacturing and agriculture, the need for high-speed access is not just uh, lines, but also uh, wireless data. Yep. I mean, precision, precision. It's easier for somebody else to say <laughs> preci- precision agriculture. Yes. Uh, utilizes a lot of this, and when you get into uh, autonomous vehicles, even in ag production, this is becoming uh, more and more of an issue. So this hopefully will address some of that. 
and, a- and autonomous vehicles moving their pivots. It's it's amazing to see what some of these these ag folks can do from an iPad for right. their and, operation and, and monitoring. The, the one big area is uh, you know with you combine it with drone technology, but application of uh, pesticides and herbicides if mm. necessary. Spot. But also uh, irrigation, you, you take a look at uh, what type of moisture, and, and now you can monitor all of that. So it's, it's very, very uh, valuable. To say nothing about education and uh, community services that you'd be able to access. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll talk here in uh, the next hour with Congressman Don Bacon a little bit about that and some other topics as well. Let's get to the next one. Number three. I didn't realize how big a deal this is, but uh, <laughs> former Nebraska All-American Spencer Schwellenbach is going to be playing in the Major League Baseball 2023 Serious XM All-Star Futures game. One of 20, he and 24 others on the National League side, and this is a pretty big deal, it, as I understand. It's it. a very big deal. He's currently playing single-A ball within the Braves organization, but when you think about, okay, this these guys get selected to... In an all-star game, especially the the college guys, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, they're playing in an all-star game. Well, it's it's this guy and this guy, and you think, well, maybe he was he was third team all Big Ten, but he's playing in this because he's a senior. And it's like, well, that is a big deal. It's it's speci- it's a big deal specifically for him as well. But where does that where does that look historically? Oh, you've had this many guys play in it, this many guys opt out, whatever. Well, what Schwellenbach is playing in, he's only the fourth former Husker to be selected for this. Four of them. And that only goes back to 2001, and he's the first since Java Chamberlain. So you've had some – that's already pretty good company for yeah. you, especially when you look at pitchers. And that's what he's playing in the big leagues right now. Well, not the big leagues, in the minors, is he's a pitcher. As a professional ball player, that's the position that he's he's working on. But he was two-way player of the year at Nebraska in his final year because of what he did at shortstop, coming in a little bit as pitcher, in as a closer here and there, especially in that Fayetteville Regional, what he was able to do from the hill, but also what he did as a hitter. Tremendous athlete, and it's nice to see things going well for him, especially because he had got drafted and then he had injuries, and he's still working back, not quite to full health, but he's the best pitcher they have on that single-A ball club right now. You're a baseball guy. <laughs> I don't know. I th- you looked like you had something. No, no, I no. It's, I think it's great. I was just thinking about like how they get selected for this and what it would take and the excitement for him to be able to take this and move this on. Um, I was just looking at the stats to his professional career at this point: three and two, two point seven six ERA, twelve starts. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Twelve and, starts and go ahead, Mark. And you said only the fourth Husker. Fourth to, to- Husker to ever do this. You go back to uh, Jamal Strong and. Uh, 01, Alex Gordon 06, Java Chamberlain 07. Pretty high, uh, pretty, pretty high uh, company there. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very good <laughs> former Husker company. And you've got other former Huskers that are playing well in the minor leagues. And you just had a, a different former Husker get his first big league start over this past weekend. Like things, things look pretty good for this program as a whole. And now, now you got to see, are there who one who's going to get drafted? from the program going into the rest of this summer, then who do they bring back in the fall? Has he only pitched then? He's just a pitcher. So they're not Yeah, professionally not he's he's else. pitching. Okay. And that and that's his place. I think that was where a lot of people were projecting him as he's got a really strong arm. Yep. He had some really good stuff coming in as a closer. And we'll see if, if starter is still where he remains because you've seen the 
really, really pick up over the last decade or so the use of multiple relievers to just get through five innings and then get to that bullpen and see how long you can get some guys to go. Royals were pretty good at that during their World Series runs. Just get to that bullpen and shut everyone down. This is your sixth inning guy, your seventh inning guy, your eighth and your ninth inning guy. And I think Schwellenbach would be pretty good at that right now, getting him a bunch of innings as a starter, and it's really, really good to see the success come in there from a former Husker, a guy we just watched recently in Lincoln. Number two. College World Series, final two games, LSU Tigers, Florida Gators. One night you were the stomper, and one night you were the stompy. <laughs> Next night you were the stomped on and the stomper yeah, again. No joke. It's it's not the uh, the the Gator chomp. It was Gators getting stomped, is what it was yesterday. <laughs> Six runs in the second inning, and that was all it took to uh, to clinch the seventh title in LSU history up there. The third and or fourth in a row for the SEC because you didn't have a, a title game and postseason played in 2020 because of COVID. You didn't have most of the season played there, but. That is a heck of a run, all seven of those coming since 1991. As a matter of fact, the 14-year drought was the longest drought since they had started winning those titles. Um, They have that broken. But more importantly for us here in Lincoln and in Nebraska, um, the trickle effect that we get from the economy that the College World Series has, and when they have these programs that have a fan base that travels, the same way that Nebraska fans travel, If we can get back to some bowl games, anytime you get to a postseason, the way Husker fans travel, LSU does that coming up to the College World Series, and that is just money into the Nebraska economy. Not just on jello shots, but it is (laughs) money money into the Nebraska economy as a whole. Think about the, the hotel stays, the going out to eat, the... Uh, if they're renting the, the Airbnb, they're traveling, they're, the team's not playing today, so what are we going to do? Are we going to go to the zoo? Are we going to go to the children's museum? Are we going to go do this and that? Maybe there were a lot of people that I saw that on an off day, they were checking out Lincoln. That's what I was wondering. If, yeah, if they, were, they were coming down. down here, and I know there's there are folks that stay in Lincoln during the College World Series. And anecdotally, uh, Chris Lofford was telling us that uh, his, I believe it was his grandson was playing in a tournament over in Omaha. Uh, you know, uh, youth baseball. There was like sixty some teams yeah. from around the country in oh, the yeah. Omaha area this past weekend in a tournament, and those kids get tickets to the College World Series. So. They also do, yeah. So they do tournaments revolving around that. I know some of the players and do they do some interactions with them. They also get to use some of the facilities. Yep, because they develop some facilities for the kids that come in. So I think it's, it's a great experience for them. Yeah, I got a ticket back when I was playing youth ball, and we went to a tournament around yep. Omaha during yep. College World Series. It, it's great how much. The community and the state embraces this event. Uh, Governor Jim Pillen talked about it was, what, one of the five five best events? As uh, stated by, I believe, Sports Illustrated. Yeah. So it is, it's an event that it runs really well. I think everyone has really embraced this ballpark. The Chuck, it is something that it took a little bit of time for folks as they got past the sadness that it wasn't Rosenblatt, yeah. it wasn't that area, and they'd been grown so used to that. Now this is this is a place that it seems like the community has fully embraced, and it really helps well, when you have a fan base like LSU. And they come take up the here. funds too that come in from that, and they pour it into you. Talk about youth sports. So I remember going, you go around to different um, uh, the small ballparks, mm-hmm. and you'll, they'll have signs saying, you know, this ballpark was you know donated through the funds through the College World Series. I mean, and we it's got great. Chris Lofgren in studio yeah. with us now too. Yeah, I heard my name come up. Thanks, Mark. It was my son actually that we had taken up to the tournament oh, okay. in that area. 
and a little brush with greatness. The interesting thing was the team that my son was playing against was Cal Ripken's son's team. <laughs> oh. And Cal Ripken was there. Hey. It was awesome. That wasn't it, this year, was it? No, no, no. This was several years ago now. But it was just, it was really fun to see him being a dad. That was the neatest thing about that. We had a great time. It was really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thank, thank you, Chris. We, I love that we get that event here in the state of Nebraska. Now we just got to get the Huskers back up there. Number one. It's estimated 80% of uh, adults in the United States are going to take some type of a road trip this summer. So our friends at Wallet Hub. Wallet Hub. 2023's best and worst states for summer road trips. Number one is Texas. Nebraska ranks 22, I believe it is. Mm. Somewhere in the middle. There we go. I was surprised to see Montana at 46. I thought a lot of people would, in the summertime, that's a great it's place to just go. So, it, it's so big. you got to travel so far. Yeah. But you can drive so fast. Well, I know. <laughs> yeah. Once you get there, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can. Are either of you guys doing any road trip, even small road trip? No, we, we did one over uh, Memorial Day to Oklahoma City. So, mm-hmm. you know. We might go down to Dallas. We might take that trip. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, when I went across ten, or across the country with my brother last year, yeah, I remember Redwoods in California is awesome. Yeah, is it? That was awesome. Great road trip, but man, I'd never been there before. You, you can you could actually probably take a three day road trip uh, just to uh, get through some of the construction here in Lincoln. <laughs> I'm going to take a three day road trip to Hickman. <laughs> That's your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management at 756 on LNK Today. When you're Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. In the capital city, Caleb Henry in studio, Doug Fitzgerald also in here with me, Mark Vale, KLIN Newsroom, Chris Lofgren, Time Saver Traffic. Getting hooked up right now with Congressman Don Bacon. couple of topics, uh, obviously what all happened in, in Russia over the weekend and what, what he's been, what he helped to push through with an amount of money coming to the state of Nebraska regarding federal funding for broadband here in our state. And we're happy to be connected now on LNK Today with Jack and Friends, KLIN Radio, with Congressman Don Bacon. Congressman, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Good morning. Uh, On the road here in Omaha. 
Yeah, that's always well. There was a lot of folks on the road in Omaha over the last couple of weeks. You're probably still dodging LSU fans. Hey, you know, I was I saw like five games, a couple, one in person, but mainly on TV. What a great series! All time record for attendance for the College World Series here in Omaha, and I think everybody did a great job. You know, from Omaha to the stadium to all the people who planned everything. What a tremendous event uh, for Nebraska. So very proud of the team. You got to all-time record, and, and the attendance and everything else, that was what, my brain automatically filled in all-time record for the jello shots that, that, <laughs> that, were, that were bought up there. Hey, don't knock it if you haven't tried it. <laughs> uh, well, Congressman, uh, I'm Caleb Henry. That's Doug Fitzgerald as we're filling in for the vacationing Jack Mitchell in Italy. And uh, things internationally were, were a little hot over the weekend. And I was hoping uh, with you and in your Air Force background, and especially that you had spent some time in Germany as well, what, what from your experience and, and from your expertise just just lay it out for us. What exactly happened in Russia this weekend? Well, I appreciate the question, and I've given it a lot of thought. So right now, Russia controls about 10% of Ukraine, mainly in the eastern part and the southern part. And they have lost over 200,000 soldiers primarily, half their tanks. Their air force has been significantly hurt. So there's a lot of strain in Russia over this invasion. So what they've done is they brought in this guy named not this guy named by, named by Prigozhin, who who's runs a mercenary force called the Wagner Group. And they're trying to run, win this war with a mercenary group. And what they and they released a lot of people out of prisons in Russia to, to fill this mercenary force. And that's what Russia has primarily been using in Ukraine. It's this mercenary force, a lot of prisoners. And Prigozhin himself has said that they were losing a thousand Russians a day in Ukraine. And so he, he felt like the Russian army was not supporting him, right? And so he started going up against the Russian army, accusing them of lack of support. And what you saw was the top generals of the Russian military started going after the Wagner group. And I guess there was a military confrontation about a week ago. And so Fergosian decided to turn around instead of facing Ukraine, go face Russia. And that's what we saw on Saturday. Uh, but it looks to me like Putin offered him a deal to go to Belarus, and that's where he's going to be. But I would think that this guy's life expectancy is very short. I believe he'll be poisoned or thrown out of a window. That's what happens to Putin's enemies. And he's in dangerous territory because Belarus or Belarus is closely allied with Russia. I think a couple of takeaways is Russia is weakened right now. And you got to rely on a mercenary force to do your fighting. That's not a sign of a world power or a country that's got full control of things, and rely on criminals to fight your war. That's, that gives you just an example where Russia's at right now. I think there's a lot of stress within the Putin camp because things aren't going well. And I think we just saw a little bit of that pressure relief this Saturday on this, on this friction within Ukraine. Now, trust me, Ukraine's struggling, too. They've, they've, put, have put, they've lost thousands and thousands of people too and and russia's four times bigger in population mm-hmm. uh so this is a real tough fight and a fight that russia brought on it's a totally unprovoked unjust invasion uh but putin's paying the price for it internally that's my take how how common is that for nations to use mercenary groups especially in an international conflict like this and a a country of that size i think it's 
very abnormal. Now, a lot of times, Russia and China, U.S., other countries, they use some proxy forces, like you'd see in Syria and Iran, where Iran, or excuse me, Syria and Iraq, where Iran has Shia-aligned groups doing some fighting for them. But using mercenaries is totally different. And the fact that Russia is having to rely on them in Ukraine, I think is very telling. And again, I'll just point out, they have lost half, half of their tanks. All the tanks in Russia have been destroyed in Ukraine, half of them. Hmm. And a very sizable amount of their air force. And so there's, I think there's just a lot of pressure around Putin right now, and they know it's not going well. Uh, I think both sides have felt pressure. Ukraine's four times smaller, and they've had to pay the brunt of, on manpower. And uh, But, you know, this, Ukraine didn't ask for this, and they're defending their territory. They're defending their way of life and their language, their heritage. That's because Russia wants to assimilate them and just make them Russia. And, uh, and if you look study the history, the Ukrainians have a deep, Disdain for the Russians. I mean, Stalin killed four million of them in the 1930s. Uh, the Ukrainians fought for ten years after World War II to get their independence. There was a insurgency in Ukraine going all the way to about 1955. A lot of people don't realize that. So this, this, these roots of hate go go way back between the two countries. Obviously, it shows a lot of weakness within Putin's leadership as well. How? I mean, what is the expectation of his leadership moving forward? Well, they. You know, they're, I think they're nearly imploding. I don't think they've imploded yet, but there's tremendous signs of weakness within the, the Putin camp and the Putin leadership team. And I, and I hope that Ukraine can take advantage of this and get a lot of its territory back now and then hold it. Because, uh, you know, like you say, they've lost about 10% of their territory in the east and the southeast part of their country. But I think Putin's hold on leadership is clearly weakened. It's hard to know how to, to what degree, but when your primary military force in Ukraine turns against you, uh, they, by the way, they shot down like five aircraft, a Russian aircraft. Uh, they shot down a IL-28 a communications airplane that was full of the communications people on board and a lot of heli- uh, a handful of helicopters. So uh, Saturday was a tough day for Putin and Russia, and I think I would hope that he would take away this conflict is undermining his leadership and Russia's leadership in the area. And I hope he will reconsider what he's doing because what he's doing, I think, is so moral. It's barbaric. I mean, I could go into a lot of details of the fight in Ukraine itself. I just hope, you, I hope Putin stands back like his predecessors did in Afghanistan and say, this isn't working. Let's get out of here. We're talking with Congressman Don Bacon on LNK today. One more on kind of Ukraine-Russia, but from your your experience when something like this happens, you've already got folks that are stationed in Europe and, and stationed over in, in that area. There's the Ukraine conflict going on, but then something like this happens over the weekend. For folks that are in the region, and even all the way back here at Offutt Air Force Base, what, is, what does that look like as they're monitoring the situation? Well, I think you have to closely monitor <clears throat> what's going on because Russia is a nuclear country. They have as many nuclear weapons as we do. In fact, they're more modernized uh, than ours. See, a, a nation like Russia is starting to implode. You have to keep close eyes on what's going on with their nuclear force and, and, and around the periphery of their country because I think you can't just assume people are going to think like we do in these situations. Sometimes people react in ways we can't anticipate. And I studied, I've studied war most of my life. Where we've been surprised is when somebody does something that is totally foreign to our way of thinking. I'll give you an example. 
1930, 
But yet they fail to realize that Omaha is totally driven, or mainly driven, maybe not totally, but largely driven by agriculture. Even our banks, they'll tell you the number one lender lending they do is to agriculture. We have commodity businesses. We have ConAgra. We have all these meat processing places. We have eight, over 80% of the world's irrigation sales, uh, pivot irrigation sales out of Omaha. So even the rest of the state's so driven by agriculture, but even our urban areas and the businesses are closely associated with agriculture. But yet, you're right, most people don't realize it, but even a lot of us, the people on the left don't realize it right here in Omaha, what agriculture means to our economy right here. Well, Congressman, I appreciate your expertise on what's happening across the world, as well as making sure some dollars can come back, help out our state here. And I'm glad you got to enjoy the College World Series a little bit as well. But so many games were decided in the ninth inning. I love it, but not the last two games. Not the last two. That's home run city. That's what I was saying. And it's not. Nice. It's weird that ballpark isn't supposed to give up home runs, but they certainly said they were capable of doing that. Uh, Congressman Don Bacon, thanks so much for joining us on LNK Thank today you. with Jack and Friends. We'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Bye bye. All right. We'll uh, we'll dive a little bit more into that as well as we've got a sports cast coming up. John Baylor. Next half hour set to join us as well. It's 824 on LNK Today. Stay informed. Stay connected. What America does not want is another repeat of 2020 where we have Joe Biden and Donald Trump running against each other. 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Eight thirty-eight in the capital city. Sixty-nine degrees, a little bit cloudy out there. Headed towards a high of eighty-five. Is what I've got on the weather here. Mid-eighties. As a matter of fact, this is the last day mid-eighties for a couple because you're going to get mid-nine or low nineties the next couple before you get back into those eighties heading into the weekend and then nineties Sunday and then back to. Monday. Possibly uh, some rain tonight. Maybe. Possibly some rain. And a couple possibly days down some the rain. road. What's we hope? Uh, unable to connect with John Baylor this morning, but that's okay. It's it's we are well into the summer volleyball. I think got volleyball Nations League. Uh, you got a couple of Huskers playing in that right now. But I, here's something that I have been interested about, and if you guys want to let us know as well, you can text in four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. I've always been curious about this for people, especially different generations. How do you get your news? Mm. How do you stay informed on the goings-on or going-ons 
Wow, I don't know which one it is. Is it goings-on or going-ons? I think it's goings-on. <laughs> goings-ons? Maybe. You just combine the two. Now I've confused myself. <laughs> but on what's happening in the world, what's happening in your community, for me, obviously, being here on this show, yep. this is a lot of how I stay in the know of what's going on and working at KLIN, seeing what our newsroom does. But for a lot of folks, it might be that they, they get the over-the-air newscasts. It might be a specific show that they listen to. It might be reading the paper. It might be watching TV. It might be all social media. Some folks where they get it only through Twitter or Facebook. I know Facebook used to be a really, really big one, Twitter especially for sports. And then there are there are folks like my wife where I we will have talked about something on this morning show, and two days later, She'll be like, hey, did you hear about this? I'm like, yeah, I, like, I've already talked about it. Why, like, why is this coming up? She gets a lot of her news, either from me if I happen to tell her, I guess, or through TikTok. <laughs> and a lot of the younger generation gets their news in, in how they keep up with the world through TikTok or Instagram Reels. And it, it's a strange where generations are, and I find it intriguing how people stay informed. <laughs> For, for, for you, I'm what 50, is it? Because you're not I'm, in here every morning. No, I'm not. I'm 52. And I also have to get brushed up on all the news as I come in to know that I'm going to, you know, do some fill-in work. And I'm always, you know, always on top like you are. You're consumed with it every day. So I was going through, as you were talking, I was going through, how do I get my news and what's the process? So I've mm-hmm. got two sites on my phone that I check several times a day okay. for basic news items. Okay. News channel and then kind of a uh, independent source. Then I use YouTube for the long format, so I I listen to YouTube quite a bit, and I get long format on specific stories, or if I want to watch a speech or a talk or something Mm -hmm. that came out. If I want something immediate, like if I'm checking certain things, like there's been, like over the political season, I was checking things to see how, when they were going to happen, sports, that type of stuff, that's Twitter. So that's my source right there. So I do two sites for general news, one site for long form news, and Twitter for immediate. That's 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 how it works for me. When you get into the TV side of it, there's there's obviously a difference between. I don't even watch TV. But yeah, for news. yeah, that's the thing. There might be a lot of people that don't, but but if you have your local TV stations right. that they've got their morning news and they've got yep. their noon and their five and their evening, but there are there are folks that get really adamant about whether or not you're watching CNN or Fox or MSNBC. And I have just, and maybe it's because of my age, it's probably a lot to do with my age, I'm 32 years old, I do not consume those those national TV brands for what they do with their news coverage. Now, if there's a, there's a major disaster going on somewhere, and it is just, like, it is live coverage, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to me if I've pulled up CNN, MSNBC, Fox, whatever. Whichever one I'm scrolling to and I see they have coverage of this live event that's going on, or you have a an address you have the state of the state of the union mm-hmm. when that happens. Same, yeah. They're all just carrying the feed, right? Whoever it goes back to as they try to dissect what was said, I'm turning away from that. And some people are very, very adamant about what specific television channel right. they have to be on. Well, my the the one side I, I watch is Fox. And I have to take it with a with with a lot of a grain of salt, especially as things change, because you never know. There's obviously 
you say it's journalism, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, Fox, or they say you know say it's journalism. The reality is there's a lot of political opinion mm-hmm. uh, mixed in with journalism today, mm-hmm. right? So you have to take a lot of that with a grain of salt. Just like there was a there was a big tweet uh, feed out, and I can't remember where I saw. I think it was Twitter about something that that Biden said. But the reality is, and somebody dissected that, it, they just pulled a clip out of a longer speech, and it, it was totally out of context. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to understand that. Take that. That's why I like the long format. That's yeah. That's why I like to go to YouTube where people are dissecting this and really spend 15, 20, 30 minutes into a specific issue or something that's happened. But that's, you know, that's probably pretty rare. You sound like a big podcast guy. Like, I do. Like I do. deep dives into a topic YouTube. with I use someone YouTube. who's got a podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's what I watch. Chris and Olathe texts in and says, early news from KLIN. Thank you, hey. Chris. And then periodically throughout the day, he listens to Fox News Channel on XM. Hey, satellite yeah. radio. Guys. I utilize satellite radio too. Like, like we have all of these options for things. It's not a it's not a sin to to use that or to let the folks on terrestrial radio know that we listen to that. Yep. It's it's an option that we have, and that's why I'm curious because there are different channels on on satellite that are specific news channels, that are specific political channels, their sports channels, the same way that we have here on our over the air radio that. We carry Fox News at the top and bottom of the hour. Throughout the week, we have our local news at the top and bottom of the hour. We've got a website uh, for KLIN specifically. We'll post stuff to social media. So we are all over the place as well. Like, we're not just in one place. We're, and you can find us at different places. Yeah. It, so I have, a, I have a whole house Sonos system, right? I don't know if you know what that mm-hmm. is, but speaker system throughout the whole house. And you can go through on the Sonos. How young did you, you don't have a Sonos. How young did you think? Did you just make me, like, 22 years old? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't know. I, don't, I, I get my little cocoon. I don't know. You know? It's not a smart, and, smart speaker, so Caleb <laughs> might not know what it is. But in their app, you know, you can dig in, and whether it's, I don't think it's through XM, but you can go through and find local stations mm-hmm. i mean we're out we're everywhere out there hey we're on the smart so I listen, speakers you know I, yeah. yeah i listen to our shows on the smart speakers and um check that out doesn't mean you have to you know just because you don't think it's there now i'm, I'm aging myself just because you assume it may not be on the smart speaker mm-hmm. doesn't mean we aren't on the smart speaker right right so you got to find that i'm in my grandparents i know if i'm ever over there they have what is it the beatrice sun it's whatever the newspaper is in Beatrice. Anytime I've ever been down there, they have that newspaper. It is always on the kitchen table. Does it always come out once a, once a week? I have no idea how, how often the distribution I is. I just know they have it, and it seems like either my granddad or my nan, they are always reading it. They they will cover to cover on that newspaper. And that between that and they'll have a radio just turned on on there, especially to listen to games. If you want to talk about... That is a generation that, my generation, we need to listen to a lot more games on the radio (laughs) because it is so entertaining. One, I know it is because that's what we do, but man, my my grandparents, it is, the the game will be on TV downstairs. Man, we're playing gin rummy on uh, on the kitchen table (laughs) listening to the game. And it's exciting and I, I really enjoy that, but that's how they gathered their news. That's how they... That's how they would digest their sports for the mm-hmm. most part as well and, and consume it. So I, I'm curious for everybody, 402-479-1400, if you want to send in a text as well, 
Where are we gathering our news? How are we staying informed? I do have a subscription to the Journal Star. Yeah, a dig- digital mm-hmm. you know subscription. So yeah, and, and it'll pop in. You know, it'll it'll send emails of alerts of different stories and stuff. And if I see something interesting, I'll click on that. Yeah, and in newspapers with with where they are at with with staff shrinkages, with the consolidating of all of the papers under one one umbrella, mm-hmm. especially here in the state, how much we're seeing that consolidation. You don't have as, as many different people covering topics, whereas let's say some, something happens in the state and you just have one writer there from the paper, whereas if you had three or four different writers from the paper, you might get three or four different angles on an event that's happening. So I think we, we've lost a little bit of that uh, when it when it comes to paper, but you have more more independent journalists mm-hmm. that are covering stuff. You've got now you've got Flatwater Free Press. I was going to say that Dan which was has just that on, on Dan Parsons yesterday. Yeah, every got, Monday. Every yep, Monday. you've got the Examiner, yep. which we referenced their article a couple of different times today. Uh, and now some people, and, and maybe rightfully so, would label those as more left leaning. Now, although they're independent journalists, as more left leaning mm-hmm. publications is when they do send their stuff out. Um, you you had, gosh, there there was one that was the the sun something. It was a, a state legislator was trying to get running that was going to be a little bit more of a conservative based independent journalism, but that never really got running. Um, and obviously, us us here o- over the air. That's I, I'm always curious where are folks getting that news. What, it, it, what's your process for getting it? So for me, when I get up, mostly I I turn on the radio. So, like, during the morning. So it's This Morning with Gordon Deal. Or uh, This Morning, mm-hmm. America's First News yep. with, with Gordon Deal. So so I'm hearing a little bit from him. But the majority of how I'm trying to consume and find things, it's Twitter. And I think most of that is because that's where your sports news is going to be. Sports news is going to hit Twitter so fast. It used to be growing up, if I wanted to know anything about sports, I was turning on ESPN and Sports Center. Right. And, and, and that was how you kind of learned about everything. And that's just so much not the case with what what they do journalistically in the sports world anymore. And So can I ask it so let me ask you this. So as you take Twitter, right? So this for somebody like me who's mm-hmm. learning all this, you know, from a social media standpoint and promotion standpoint, when you're looking for specific news say sports news on twitter do you go to specific accounts and read their feed or do you try to let the feed feed you you know what i'm saying it's a a lot of times you can let the feed feed you and you're just like it's sometimes you feel like you're lost in the middle of nowhere and then i just give up it's a little bit of both and in a a big part of that is on twitter with the changes that are on there you're going to get a lot of stuff show up that that you have not interacted with that it's kind of suggesting to you. And that might be because of people that you follow or even people who follow you might have interacted or it's kind of like, a, hey, you've got some connections with this account, whether it's people that you follow or follow you, and we think you might like their content as well. That's not always the case. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's very interesting, and I don't even follow that person. And then you start to see that person show up more and more, and you don't actually follow them. You can also change so that it, you're not getting the suggestions on the for you on there. And you can also create lists. So it depends a lot on who you're following, how you're following them, and how you're utilizing the tools that are on Twitter. A big part, and I talked about this yesterday, <laughs> as you try to follow what's happening for what happened over the weekend in Russia, or a lot of times when things happen and they are breaking news. Right. 
and it's not specifically local. Where I know locally, I can follow so-and-so at TV, at the paper. If it's sports, I know exactly who's covering that sport and that for that school for all of the different places. Whether it is us with KLIN or it's a, it's a TV place or it's an online, like on three or, or Husker Max mm-hmm. or 24-7 or all of these different places, who specifically is covering that that I can go check their feed right away? Man, it's just, I digest so much of it through Twitter. Mm. So much of it is through Twitter. Marie texts in KLIN in the morning with local stations for news and weather. Good morning, America, later in the morning and on the weekends. Forgot about Good Morning America. Yeah, that's the other thing is when you get to the weekend and, and for us here, because we're like, we're, we're not in the middle of it in the newsroom and we're not texting back and forth with, with a little bit of what's going on. Because I'm on Twitter. And I'm just kind of scrolling through stuff, and you see stuff pop up. That's so much of how I'm digesting news. And it seems like, from the conversations I've had with people, that's very much, if you're going to get stuff out to Gen X and Millennials, Twitter is going to get there. For the most part. For the most part. If you go to Boomers, it's primarily going to be over-the-air radio, TV, and then if it's social media, it's going to be Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. And if you go younger, they say younger than me, so you're going to get into Gen Z, so you're going to get into your kids, I would assume your kids are digesting and consuming a lot of their news through TikTok. TikTok, I think that's it, yep. So that that's always a curiosity that I have. If you guys have got other other ways that you are staying informed, staying in the know, whether it is KLIN or if it's not KLIN, that's, that's up to you guys. Uh, I, my feelings aren't going to be hurt because... We, we all find a way to stay informed, and at the end of the day, staying informed is the main name of the game. And I would love to know, too, from our listeners, like, hey, these reels that I'm starting to learn about, right? Mm-hmm. That's where most people are consuming their videos. That's what I'm learning from my son, who's 26. <laughs> and I'm trying to learn how can, I in, you know, how can I get involved with that to get my message out. How many people are watching reels to get their you know those short little video formats how how much are you know, how much are you watching those to get your news and just get informed and entertained because mm-hmm. that's the direction i'm learning about right now and i better be on the right track to reach the right people <laughs> we all know? got we all got to figure out <laughs> little by little and you guys can keep that conversation text us 402-479-1400 we'll try to converse a little bit back and forth on some of that it is 853 we'll wrap up a tuesday next on KLIM. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, Doug Fitzgerald has been so kind to come in and help us out in the mornings during Jack's vacation. But you are staying very, very busy with one shot, one yeah. life. As a matter of fact, not just in the Lincoln market anymore. Yeah. Uh, syndication going strong. Who have you, like, what have the last few shows been like for you? What do you have coming up? Uh, well, I tell you what, Brandon Peterson, who's from Fremont, who runs two multi-million dollar national companies, talks a lot about personal development. We had him on this last week. It is, you got to listen to it. He talks about this North Star Challenge where he works with his employees and people that he works with about identifying and realizing that where they work isn't their life, right? That's not what their passion is. Their passion is whatever they decide to do within their life, and their work is the vehicle to get there. Mm-hmm. So he has these four questions that he asks people to identify. What is your passion? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with your life? And then how can your job get you to that point? Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, this weekend, Mike Chandra, uh, who works with, yep, uh, we you know, know Mike. Yeah, Mike's a great guy. And uh, with gambling becoming such, um, you know, so um, 
uh, legalized across the country, we're bringing him in to talk about um, problem gambling. You know, it almost destroyed his life. So this weekend's show, he's going to talk about that. If you uh, have struggles with uh, gambling or maybe somebody that you know or maybe you, uh, you're you not sure if it's a struggle or not yet, he's going to walk you through what, some, what are some things to look out for and then what are the steps to take if you're struggling or somebody that you know is struggling with problem gambling so that it doesn't destroy your life. So he's great. And uh, that's an interesting conversation to have right now that we'll have at 11 right here on KLIN Saturday morning to hear because you've had the casino going for several months, but you just opened up sports wagering this last Thursday. So so that's now another outlet that, that folks can tap into for gambling. And we've had the conversations here on the, on our airwaves about how for some of us, yeah, we know it might be, 10 bucks here, 2 bucks there. It's going to be a little bit more of an entertainment value. For some people, it becomes an absolute necessity because of the addiction. Yeah. Two to, um, I think he was saying, two to about 8 million people struggle deeply with problem gambling. The thing that's concerning is there's a large portion of kids from 14 to 21 that are really, you know, because it's so accessible on their phone, mm-hmm. it's starting to become something that's a problem. And, and as a parent or a grandparent, you want to be aware of that. Well, we uh, we always appreciate when you can come in and and help us out. We got another another eight days. Besides, it's counting the the couple of days yeah. that we'll have off in there too. So we're happy to have you in here, and Thanks. of course, always happy to have you part of the KLIM family on our weekends. Here. Love it. Thank you so much to Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, for popping on earlier and having a couple of laughs. And then, obviously, Congressman Don Bacon for sharing his expertise, as well as talking about what he had helped with to get a lot of that funding coming to Nebraska. Again, that's $405 million in federal funding for broadband here in the state of Nebraska. Coming up tomorrow, it's a What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday. Text those in, 402-479-1400. We'll put them in the bank and get to those at 710. Also going to be talking with the Nebraska Sports Council as you've got Cornhusker State Games coming up. And John Bishop, they had a busy, busy couple of weeks up in Omaha. He'll recap all of that. See you tomorrow, Doug? Yep. See all of you tomorrow bright and early. It's 9 o'clock on LNK Today. (laughs)